Hi, I'm Sung Ray. I'm something else. Here at Black Girl Soul, a podcast where we discuss the Asian dramas we love from a Black female perspective. We are looking to be entertained, to learn about other cultures, and share our passion for these shows. Welcome. Hello, everyone. This is Black Girl Soul. I am something else with Song Ray. And we also have Natasha, who's been talking Pachenko with us over the last few weeks. Hello, everyone. Okay, so we are now on episode seven, and I'm going to turn it over to Song Ray to give that recap. All right, in episode seven, we are simply meeting Kohansu in the past. We're meeting his past self the stuff that he's been dealing with, the things that are going on in his world, um, how he began and how he even wound up in this space working with that man who were, for the lack of better terms, and something I read before, they said he was Yakuza, so I'm just going to stick with that. Um, He is working for him and we find out how it all happens. This episode dealt with a lot of loss because there's a major earthquake that took place i can't think of the name of it i looked it up before but i didn't write it down and i apologize um but a major earthquake took place that really took out a lot of people and devastated you know a lot of plans people had in order and things they were trying to do and so we deal with how he basically comes up from that how he moves past that um after dealing with the loss that he had to deal with and then other people around him and the losses they had to deal with so that was pretty much the gist of this episode. You don't see anything from Solomon. You don't see anything from Sunja. This is all about Kohansu and his life. What did you think about it, if you were to rate it? I thought I thought it was interesting, um, like from a historical point of view. If I didn't, I, I didn't see until the very end of the show when it was revealed that it was an actual event, an earthquake that happened. And the devastating losses that happened and the Koreans who were there who were kind of like the frustrations were taken out on. They were a lot of them were murdered if they weren't killed in the earthquake. So that was interesting from a historic perspective, but I didn't realize that to the very end. So, I mean, I still appreciated it as I was watching it, but it was the whole episode and it wasn't anything that I remember from the book. I don't think that it was in the book at all, but my memory isn't the best. So whenever something that's that strays from the book comes into play in the show, I'm trying to figure out, okay, how does this help? How does this add to the story when everyone else is kind of brought together again? And for me, the relationship between Hansu and his father does that for me like it kind of ties into the rest of the story but um besides the historical point i didn't see how the earthquake and this other american family that he worked for and how all of that tied into the story um i think for this episode it was helpful for me and what i'm going to lend to is because i didn't read the book and one of the things i've noticed that you've mentioned a lot natasha is how you got a different sense of who kohan su was from beginning so when we first met him we meet him as a bad man. We don't meet him as somebody that you care about or you're interested in. But this episode gave me some background and made me see him in a different light. So this time now I can look at him and go, okay, he had to deal, not to say he's correct, because now I still think he won't get two left shoes. He is still the author of the fuckboy book. But <laughs> at least this episode 
gave me more context into him and how he wound up in the places he wound up. And it wasn't that he just made a choice to be this bad guy. He kind of fell over into this. So I think that might be what they were doing. I, I, that's just me. I don't know. Yeah, I agree with you, Sangre. I think, you know, we just don't benefit from resident reader Natasha's extra third eye because of the book. But just from the show itself, I really was grateful for this episode. Are we paying for getting extra information about Kohansu when you look at the larger story? Yes. We only have one more episode before the season ends, right? And so I kind of initially was like, are we going to waste this on Kohansu? <laughs> and then as I watched it, I was like, okay, it's all right. Especially since when it comes to Eamon Ho and how everyone kind of, not everyone, definitely not everyone. I don't want Sung Ray to come after me. But some people have been critical of his acting in the series. I felt that this was an opportunity for him to really, you know, chew up the scenes to like really show his acting chops. And I think he delivered. I'm going to say right now that we're, we're about to completely go into spoilers. So <laughs> you got to feel for what we think about the episode, but I want to get more detailed if you all are ready to get more detailed. Yeah. Before you do that, I just wanted to say, it's funny that you feel like he delivered acting wise, because one of my notes was that, he was not on point with the acting in this episode. <laughs> well, that you know what? That's, that's why we, we have this, so that we can talk it out. Like That's what Sung Ray and I love, like when we disagree, not when we agree. So tell us about it, Natasha. It just, it just seemed like the, the, the situation was so serious and it needed some more... I don't know, some depth. It was almost like he was an amateur actor doing some of these parts, just the spatial expressions. It's it's, it's like he was trying so hard and he kind of went over the top a bit. It just, it seemed like he was a new actor, like a student trying to do something serious and impress the world. And he just kind of overshot to me. I, I don't know. I, I, I wasn't feeling his acting in this, in this episode. I don't think it was horrible. But I feel like he has done better acting in the series than on this episode. And because the episode was such a serious matter and so, so dramatic, I felt like he could have done a little, little better. Oh, amateur actor, burn. What do you think? Um, I kind of felt like in this episode, he delivered in what was the expectation for me. The expectation is he is a... I'm not sure exactly how old he is in this episode, but he's young. He's working because I guess, you know, at the end of the day, they need the money. So he is working, but I'm not sure if he's out of high school. He's helping to tutor a wealthy, rich family from America. He's their son's tutor. And he talks about how the boy doesn't know stuff. And, you know, basically you can see because he's rich, he's allotted certain privileges he's white he's allotted certain privileges that Kohansu doesn't have but they were going to bring him to America with him and he felt like that was his way to grow that was his way to expand and to uh become something better and I don't know I guess because of his age in this it worked for me the greenness because yes you're correct Natasha I did see the green side of him and I'm a I feel like that is why it worked because of the age had he been 
someone who had experienced more things, dealt with more things. Like he lost his father in the midst of this, his family, he lost them in the midst of this, the family he was working for. And the family seemed to like him because they took care of him. The guy who his father was, had owed a debt to, he lost people along the way, like some of his, I guess, men or whatever. So like just seeing all the devastation, being in this first time, realizing I am all alone. I got nothing and nobody. Like, I don't know. I guess for me, it worked because what he didn't want to do, what I would have hated for it to have been overacted. And then it would have been like, uh, what the heck is this? So I don't know. It, it, it was one of those delicate situations. You can't do too much. You don't want to do too little, but you know, it is what it is, I guess. Natasha, were you saying that he was green though because of the character? Or I thought you meant that the actor himself. I thought you were talking about Eamon Ho's performance. Yeah, I was talking about his performance and I, and it's not like his acting ruined the episode for me. Like I thought he did a fair job. It just, to me, compared to the other episodes, he seemed like almost like an amateur. Like he was overacting to try to compensate for being a new actor when I know he's not a new actor. So that, that was all. It wasn't, it, it didn't, it didn't ruin the episode. I just noted in my notes that it was kind of over the top, but he, I don't want to like tear his acting apart too much. I did see the overacting, but I attributed it to the way movies and TV shows build up scenes to position things. So when you see him go to the boxing event with his father, he's very involved and interested in everything. I saw a bit of overacting there, but I attributed it to how movies and TV shows are. But other than that, I felt that he gave a decent performance and I appreciated that they found the right actor who was both young enough and old enough, even though technically Kohansu should be way older. And it's because this is why I gave Eamon Ho his points. He could play the young version of himself or young version of the character, not himself, young version of the character very well. And then he'll be able to bounce back to someone in his 30s not maybe 40s, but like mid-30s, let's say, let's go with that. Um, He's in his mid-30s. But again, right. I'm, I'm going to break in and say that's why I feel like in this episode, you have to keep in mind how old is he supposed to be? Because he's got to play that role. He can't play right. the role of, let's say, a 20-year-old if he's supposed to be a 16-year-old. He's playing the role, to me, of a teenage, almost adult son. Right. So when I saw this episode, I imagined he was like 19 or 20. And so I appreciated that Eamon Ho could give us some kind of innocence. Like that first scene where you see him sitting there, of course, his hair is different. You know, his look is different, but I can see his innocence there. I was like, oh, okay, good for him. Like I gave him points for that. It was over the top in the boxing event, but otherwise I felt like he did a serviceable job. I thought he did a good job of kind of getting through a lot of that material. Now, the one caveat I have, and this is just me, because I'm so used to like these East Asian actors crying on cue, like nobody's business. 
there were scenes where I was like, dude, you should have straight streaks of tears down your face because you have been through the most. But it's like he was scrunching up his face like an American actor. I was like, no, sir. Like, why are you not crying here? I'm being picky and petty about this. But you could even see scenes where, of course, his eyes are watering and that kind of thing. But I'm like, dude, you are straight dusty in the dirt here. And, like, your face is completely clear. I was like, no, you're supposed to have streaks of tears right now, sir. That's my only beef. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess we just disagree on the acting. I think that because he was playing a younger person, um, it kind of worked for me, too. And that innocence and that kind of like, he was kind of naive in some ways, like that kind of worked for me too. But I don't know, it was bad enough to me where I actually put that as one of my notes, acting not on point. So aside from that, I'm curious if you guys know culturally why he was wearing something different than everybody else. Everybody else is wearing like pants and a button up shirt and he's wearing a more, I don't know what I would call it, but like a longer type top where you can't even see the pants? Like, was that because of his age or just the time period? I think it's it's a more traditional Japanese uh, style of dress. And what I take from that is that he was trying to be more of their culture than of his Korean heritage. Like he, because at some point someone says to him, either you recognize you're not one of them or you recognize you can't be one of them or something to the effect or it's going to take more to be something, something they like, they were letting him know in so many words, no matter what you do, you're still Korean. So that's how I perceive that. But I could be wrong. And if a listener is listening and you know different, please share with us and tell us. One thing though, what I was curious about, I don't know if you guys know, it seemed like the ink, when he had to speak English, it wasn't really the actor speaking English. Do you think that was dubbed? I don't think it was dubbed based upon interviews I've heard from him. He doesn't speak good English period like that even as a he has to have a translator assist him because that was one of the things people have said about him is as an actor and as an actor of his caliber he should have better English skills than he has and he shouldn't have to rely on a translator and so on and so forth but that's not his first language that's not what he speaks in no he doesn't that's not a you know he speaks Japanese well but English no I th- I mean, I thought the English was decent. That's why I wondered if it was dubbed because I was like, oh, it's pretty good. Like, either he really practiced or they dubbed him, you know? I think that was him based upon what I've heard before. So we know that the acting, yay or nay, but the dub is a solid yes. Good job. Um, <laughs> so... So what did you all think of the father? Because I was peeved that the dad got himself played like a little simp and risked his ever-loving life to give some chick some money who then gave it to another dude. I was like, sir, how you going to risk your whole life and your son's opportunities for that? I was trying to figure that out because the father seemed so, I don't know, sensible and intelligent and I was like is this woman like a whore or is this just a woman he felt like he wanted to take under his wing somehow like I I was confused as to what who she was and I thought yeah how could you get played like that sir he was you know what I think she was a whore maybe but (laughs) using the the hard whore but also it reminded me totally of like stripper culture right 
where the guy is just like giving out money just to be in her presence. Like, dude, you just didn't even know this chick for real, for real. And then you went back to her asking for the money back. That was like, that was symptoms too. And he stole the money to give it to her. Yeah, that was, it just seemed, I don't know the character of this father because he's not in the book and he, it was like not too much given of him in the episode. It just seemed out of character from what I got for him to do that. I know uh, in one of the scenes, I think when they were heading to the girl's house, he said to Kohan Su, the basically something to the effect of you would do dumb things for, for love. And I was thinking to myself, yeah, we do some dumb things, but that's when we're younger. You're too fucking old for this. Like, I'm going to need you to not be a daddy this old, and this is what you're doing. Right. And this is on Agreed. the heels of him basically going, um, you know, giving kohansu all these words of wisdom and they're like on the other side of i guess a baseball game and he's dropping gems and stuff and i'm like if you're gonna steal that's not great but you stealing from the yakuza mm, you want to die like and i even thought to myself i was like is this the early years of the yakuza where they don't kill people or something you know like everything i know about them i learned from um action films so maybe they are kinder than i thought but <laughs> you know, back in the day or something. But I was like, dude, I think I think just to save face, and that's what the Yakuza leader says. He's like, I can't be in them streets looking like a punk because my own accountant stole from me. And then he's an accountant. Once you steal from somebody, you can't really work again, even if you are alive. Like, what is going on? It was weird. Uh-huh. I took that he planned to kill him because remember later at the end towards their him and the man basically realizing we got to take care of each other. You go well the, for Hansu realizing the man was going to be taking care of him. He said to him, "Were you really going to kill my father?" Like he asked, and I think that was the man's intentions. Was I can't be out here calling myself kingpin and doing what I'm doing, and I don't deal with you accordingly because if i let you walk that's my reputation so i personally feel like yeah he planned to kill him oh yeah no it was it was without a doubt it was just that right before when they were walking i was like this dude is walking to his death because there's no explaining this away um and so it is an interesting thing to have kohansu's father replaced with a father figure who would have killed his own real father. You know what I'm saying? So maybe it's the beginning of the hardness of Kohan Su. And I would like for them to talk about his history more, just because I'm curious, maybe in subsequent seasons, because you just want to see like the development, like how he ended up marrying his wife, because at the time, he looks like he's just going to be like a worker, uh, for the family, right? I mean, he's lucky that the the leader decided to take him under his wing. Yeah, to me, if you to me, it feels like the writer is trying to do something here because this is not in the book. I think they said they the writer of this episode thought we need a back we need more of a backstory on kohansu what can we do and so they come up with this story and i don't know where they're going to take it from here but <clears throat> based on 
some article that we read or that I read, one maybe you one of you guys passed it to me. If the the author of the book left the production as far as helping with the production and giving her input, they really needed her here because I don't feel like they did a good job in trying to develop this backstory for Kohansu. I feel like they're gonna get stuck and and I'm not sure how they're gonna get out of it and develop it to make it good and not have all these holes because because now i have all these questions like why was he a single father like what happened to his mother and how did that affect his life and so I'm, I got, i've got all these questions in my mind we've got a question we've got questions about what he does with this for this gangster and how does he get to the daughter i don't know i, I feel like the writer of this episode and the future writers when they try to develop kohansu's story have a tall hill to climb based on what they did in this episode I'm going to have to agree with you in that. I feel like because of her having left the production and them trying to figure stuff out instead of just using the book as their blueprint, they are creating things that they're going to have to be mindful of and not leave us looking lost as the story goes on. We've got one more episode, and that episode is going to be about some kind of situation Solomon gets in. I think he goes to jail and Sunja has to get him out. I don't know what, 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 but that's what I read on the preview portion for Apple TV is episode eight. So again, there's a lot of loopholes that they're gonna have to make sure that they cover in subsequent series. Like this is just one, we're gonna have to have more in order to explain and deal with all of the stuff that was put in the book. Cause there's a lot in the book that again, we can see has not been touched as well as, as you stated, we've read some articles that kind of told us stuff has been missing or left out. So, you know, I agree with you. Right. I can be patient because I understand that this um, series is nonlinear and they enjoy leaving us in the dark and then like feeding us a little bit of information here and there and then giving us more questions later on. So I'm like, okay, you want to make sure that you have a season two trust. We want you to have a season two because <laughs> it's still all very confusing. It's still very confusing with this family. As I was watching the episode, I will say like I was watching it with an open mind because I knew that it was going to be a lot of what was not in the book. Like it's all for the show. So I was trying to watch it with an open mind and not think that's not in the book. And that's not, I wasn't doing that. And I'm trying to be mindful of that as I watch the series that things are going to be different and that's okay. And that happens a lot when you, when you, you know, adapt books to TV shows or movies, but now I'm thinking, okay, in order to stay true to what the other things that I know are in the book, I'm wondering how they're going to make it all line up. And that, that I couldn't, it was hard for me to push that away as I was watching the episode. Well, I assume that then one of the things that's not in the book also is, like the whole backstory about him and the American family, because that was like super interesting to me how he had, and they never explained this, of course, how he kind of maneuvers things, I guess, because he's supposedly good with numbers and intelligent, of course, that he maneuvers his way into this family. They want to have him go with the son to America, maybe to do his homework for him. Who knows? But when everything goes down with the, well, they, I don't know. It's like, I thought there was going to be more to that family just because they didn't introduce the father and they show that Kohansu is like involved with them in some ways. I thought it was going to drag out more. And then the family all of a sudden is like, 
killed pretty much. But I thought some of it maybe was artistic, the way they like to do things with color and and themes and they're poetic in some ways. So like one of the things was when Koatsu went to the family and they were running away, the mother put the pearls around his neck and they were especially bright. And then I didn't know what that represented. So maybe we can talk about that. But at some point the pearls fall to the ground and they're crushed. And I'm like, okay, does that represent his lost opportunities, his lost innocence? Like, what is that doing? What do you all think? I think those, those are interesting takes. That's like, you have a more artistic um, mind that I'm do I do your way more creative and so you pick out those things and to have them pointed out sounds really interesting I wonder um, you know what the director and the writer of the episode you know was doing with all those different elements that you're pointing out and they probably do mean something I was thinking that maybe this episode was also just trying to put in some historical points. Like they put the earthquake in there as like a historical point. This actually happened. And maybe the family was to say, Hey, this actually happened. Like we had these American families in, uh, in Japan and they had these people working for them. Like it was, it was more of like a, of a historical point. And they thought, well, maybe we can tie this into Hansu's life. Um, so that could be it, too, is that they just wanted to show us, um, you know, different sides of this culture and of this time period because the whole gangster thing and the boxing. And I think the Japanese guy was like boxing a, a white man. I don't know if he was European or from the from the Americas, but maybe that was also showing us some of the time period and the culture and the history of the time, too. So mm, I don't know. And I figure part of where my mind goes with this is, okay, I'm not 100% sure because you're right. The pearls were symbolic in some manner. What they meant, what they represented, I don't 100% know. The reason I say that is because they were lit up differently. They were brightened in the scenes. You see them clearly, and then you clearly see them stepping on them in the end of that scene. Um, and all of that, I, again, don't know 100% what they represent, but... I feel like I agree with you, Natasha, in that I think that one of the things, the bigger picture, so the small picture is Lee E, Lee, however you want to pronounce it, she wrote this book. The book was a great book. It was a New York Times bestseller. People loved it. It told a great story. They want to retell this story. Well, in the process of them doing what they're doing, I believe maybe some bigger picture things got involved and I'm not 100% sure why she chose to leave the production, but she did. She agreed initially, but then she left it. I think what they're doing is they're mindful of the fact that there is a larger audience watching Korean dramas. You would be an example. You were someone who did not watch dramas. You read a book. Now you wanted to see a drama to go with it, and you've even fallen in love with an actor from it. So you get what I'm saying? Like They realize it's a larger genre, and in that, there are stories that need to be shared and told so that people understand things a little bit better. Because one of the things, something else and I have noted is that when we watch certain dramas, you know, one in particular was Red Sleeve. And in the Red Sleeve, we took note of some historical things that we had to either go look up or she did the research I did. But she looked up and she was able to share with me what was going on or tell me, you know, specifics because I was confused about, well, wait, what is this? And why is that happening? So 
I feel like the people who were in the production are realizing we got a big, large audience we're working with. This is a big, large production company, Apple TV. We want to make sure we're sharing stories that want edify and tell who we are as a people, what we're about as a people, as well as, yes, we're telling this story about Pachinko, but in that, we, we have this open opportunity and door. We're not going to let that door slide by simply because we want to stick true to a book. We want to make sure we're giving a bigger picture is how I am perceiving all of this. Because again, like you said, none of this was in the book that uh, earthquake being a real event and how things really took place, how people were actually killed behind it and all of those things that went on. I think all of that was needed in order for us to have a bigger picture. Like instead of it being a 2D, it's 3 and 4D now because we're able to get layers and understand a lot more about this time period and what's going on because it's not our history and it's not what we're taught or no. That's just my take. I, I agree with you. I, I agree with you when you say that. And it makes me look at the parts where I'm like, why did they put that in there differently? I'm looking at them now as what are they trying to tell us? For example, you recently shared some comments from another person who's reviewing the show that the episode where they have the singer on the ferry, you know, kill herself that that was based on a real account like she didn't kill herself in the same way but you know it happened and it kind of threw that piece of history in there i just hope that they don't because they they have this opportunity they're not trying to throw too much in there in a way that doesn't make sense just because we have the opportunity and it doesn't ruin things so i hope i agree with that too Yes, yeah, so I'm kind of nervous that the writer is not there, not just to keep it to the book. She's a good writer. So whatever they wanted to add, I think that the, the original author might have been able to help them put their new ideas in there in a way that would have been more successful, in my my opinion. Because I felt like the scene on the ferry where the singer killed herself was like, it just seemed overwrought. Like, it just overly dramatic and i think they could have done it better and the same thing with this um um earthquake episode some of the things in there not just with the earthquake but with kohansu and just making things work with the family and his dad they could have done better they could have used a better a better writer to include that stuff well i'll say the one thing that was easy <laughs> but hard and horrifying at the same time was the one where we realize yet again the level of bigotry and hatred towards Koreans or what Koreans had to face in Japan. I really got to go read the history to understand like why Koreans were going to Japan <laughs> because oh my gosh I mean if that started when he was young and then by the time we see Sunja and Isak moving there it looks like it's worse but we don't know because we're dealing with just separate scenes and stuff like that but like just to see like okay this horrible natural disaster has happened hey let's take up pitchforks and run after koreans and so that whole scene is crazy to me and i'm trying to remember did kohansu direct the other people to go to that hut or did he just say, go hide? You know what I'm saying? Before they told him to go hide. Because I was just wondering if there was a layer of maybe him blaming himself for their deaths. Who, the um, Americans? 
No, not the Americans. Remember the scene where he, sorry, I was not clear. So the scene where they're, uh, he's with the Yakuza leader and they're trying to get to the Yakuza's home. And then these Koreans need to hide in that hut because of the, the mob that's going after them. So I didn't remember if Kohan Su had directed them to go to hide in that hut or, you know, like if he was going to feel some level of blame. I don't think he did, did. but it was just, right. I think it was just like, hey, everyone hide where you can. Kohan Su hid someplace that he didn't get burned alive. I mean, it was I think I think he was about to go into the hut and then the, the Yakuza guy was like, why don't you hide in here instead? Maybe he directed them to go into the barn, but I don't know that it was malicious. Like he thought they were going to get caught. I don't know. Right. I I did think that um, he did advise the American family to take a different route. Maybe he feels guilt for that because they were going to go some other way. And he was like, no, you need to go this way. Remember? Right. They were going to get on the boats or something. He was like, the boats are gone. I was just, mm. no, he was telling them some route was blocked off because of, uh, it was burned down or something. something. Ah, okay, okay. A okay. road they were going to take wasn't open, basically. Did okay. you guys? Did you guys notice the wa- the uh, the watch? When I saw the when I saw the woman, the mom, which she looked the same age as her son, like that. That was bad casting that right was, there. But the mom did not look like <laughs> a high schooler to me. Yeah. So the mom, she like checks the time when when uh, Kohansu is like tutoring the kid, and I'm like, oh, that's probably the watch from Switzerland. And um, and then at the end, when he sees them on the street, he grabs the watch from her and takes it. And when he did that, I didn't look at it as stealing. I looked at it as he's taking something, you know, to remember the family by. But <clears throat> when he, it made me look at him giving the watch to Sunja differently as a show watcher like in the book I felt like Kohansu had feelings for Sunja and he really cares about her but in the show him giving this watch from a family that I think he had some sentimental feelings for to give it to her I it's it's like a big gesture you know it's not just an expensive watch he got from Switzerland it's from a family that he kind of cared about and I agree with you 110 percent I feel like them showing the backstory to the watch kind of made me go, okay, he has held on to this all these years. This has been something that has been precious to him. And for him to give it to her meant a lot. That wasn't just the, and so for her to sell it like she sold it. And yes, you know, she's helping out, but still for her to sell it like she sold it, she didn't realize, I guess, the breadth of what that meant, how much that watch meant to him, which is why he went back and got it. Right. I mean, I think, you know, we, we'd been asking the question about why he would want that watch back. And, you know, we kind of worked around it the best way we could. But it also helps to see this context to realize, oh, OK, it was like almost um, a way to tie him to her um, because he could have just assumed that she would always keep it and like not put the word out. So he clearly was trying to track her in some fashion, but he also valued that watch he also wanted it for his own personal not just because okay it's a watch and i got it back he wanted it because he had sentimental value for it or it had sentimental value what else did you all notice about the show i think that's about it i'm not going to say this the episode was wasted on kohansu but i don't think that that we needed the whole episode for him because 
just based on our conversation, there were, you know, just a few takeaway points that seemed important and maybe they could have done that in half of the episode and save the other half for something else. I don't know. I, I, I'm so I'm not saying I didn't enjoy the episode. I enjoyed the episode. Um, I thought it was interesting, historically interesting, culturally interesting. And there were things I didn't like about it. Like I thought the acting wasn't really on point, but yeah, maybe they could have cut that in half and used the rest of the episode for something else. You know what? I think they could have taken that whole episode and chopped it up and done flashbacks to his past while they were doing the whole show. So at different times, you got a little bit here. You know, they do that all the time. They could have hearkened back to, oh, okay, when Kohansu was young and given some kind of understanding and and then come back to the present of his life with Sanja or his expectations. Like, they could have slid a lot of that show in that way. They could have flashed back to his father and his relationship because then it adds context to why Kohansu is going to fight for his son. Because, like, I mean, this is my theory, of course, but when you have Kohansu join that Japanese family, his kids are Japanese. His daughters are Japanese, right? So for him to have a Korean child, that's his son. That's not theirs. That's his. That's not him joining their world. That's him having his legacy. And so now watching this episode makes me realize, okay, that's why Kohansu is going to do the most. Not because he's just like, okay, I want this kid. It's my kid. It's because that's his, like, not his one true son, but this is, it is his, it, it's tied to, that son is tied to his Korean heritage. Yeah, um, and I think maybe he wants that relationship that he had with his father, because they had a pretty good relationship, and we didn't get to see all that much of it, but they had a good relationship, and maybe he wanted that again, because his wife doesn't care for him. His his daughters don't even really care for him. We don't see that yet. But they don't even really care for him. They look down upon him. They are kind of angry that, you know, he has tainted their family, kind of, you know. So I think he, he wanted that more loving, loving relationship with his son, um, like he had with his father. And I can't remember, but something is like in the back of my mind telling me, remember when uh, he and Sunja would like go and wash, he would sit with her while she washed clothes and talk about the world and he drew that crazy map. Um, didn't they talk about their fathers or or was it us that talked about their having? Well, you know what? He did talk about his father, but then he spoke. See, this is where it messes things up. He spoke about his father in the negative light. He did? What did he say? I don't remember. I thought it was positive. Remember? I thought he was like, we both had loving fathers. What did he say about his father? No. I thought he spoke about his father in a negative light. Like he had a shadow. There was a past that he was walking away from. Like we for real need to look this up unless Song Ray remembers. Because I thought that he didn't have a great relationship with his father. Or maybe he started to lose respect for his father for what he did and put, you know, put them in that situation possibly, but they had a good relationship up until that point. No, man, I'm telling you, there's something where I don't think he had a good, he, he described it maybe as his father being critical, which 
I tracks with what he said when they were at the boxing event. But he did talk about like a shadow. He talked about and 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 not to say that they didn't have a whole life in Korea that was problematic before they moved to Japan, right? You know, because so that could be true too. But I swear, I thought it was like he had a negative relationship with his father. So that completely is the opposite of what we saw in this episode. And I, I want to look back now too and see what they what he was saying about his father when he was talking to Sanjo. Right. But I totally agree with you, Natasha, that he's going to want his son to kind of make up for the relationship that, to make up for family, frankly. I mean, for aunties and purposes, he's an orphan who was accepted, but he doesn't have real family. So, wow. Yeah, I think he was looking, I think that was part of the hope with Sunja too, is that he could he could have that family, that real family of love, because I do feel like he loved her and he loves her, that he wanted that family where he could come back to Korea and have the son and the wife, well, the, you know, the fake wife that he loves. And I think when you're, you're part of that kind of Yakuza family, even if like there was no such thing as divorce, like there just wasn't divorce then like that. Like there was, even if he had just done it with like his father-in-law was a regular old dude, that would have been ugly and nasty and weird, but he's not going to be able to jump out of that gang. There's no, like he'll be killed. So that's some of it too. I'm curious to see if they put more in the show about his relationship with this Japanese gangster guy, because unless this Japanese gangster, excuse me, doesn't have the same, disdain for Koreans as the rest of Japan or a lot of Japan does I won't say the rest of it but a lot of Japanese do he seems to have more of a egalitarian view like maybe it's all about the money for him because in my head I'm like okay if the if these Japanese people looked down on the Koreans how would this guy agree to marry a Korean to his daughter like didn't he feel like that would be bad for his family unless he just looks at the world in a whole different way i mean i think it's a mix of him looking at the world in a different way because even his accountant was korean right but at the same time that is one of the things that they're going to have to flash back or something because there has to be an explanation for that jump where even if kohan su had been the best worker the best accountant for this guy or the guy considered him to be darn near a son, it is a complete leap for him to say, marry my daughter. Like, unless the daughter was pregnant and they needed to marry off, a la, you know, in the same vein as uh, Sunja, like, (laughs) that's, I mean, I don't even get it. I really don't get how they got there. So, and if you don't have an explanation from the book, they better write their butts off. Yeah, I don't remember there being a good explanation. I remember being confused about that in the book, too. Like, why Why would she, why would her father have her marry a Korean if they didn't look at Koreans as equals? Well, I think, I think, he, I think the, the Yakuza leader is a different egg, definitely. 
Um, most definitely he has to be. But that whole like disdaining Koreans is super, super real. Um, <laughs> like we, we're we seeing that in, in a brutal fashion, especially towards the end of the episode. Um, but and and it must it must be an interesting world that Kohan Su walked into when he had to it wasn't like he was someone off to the side like his father was who worked for the um the Japanese, right? He's going to he's either going to ingratiate himself so well um in that world or he's going to be imbued with power because the Yakuza leader is going to make him his son-in-law. And so then I wonder, like, were they sending him to Korea to get him out of the way too, to like keep him busy somewhere? Like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just making up stuff. Well, after, after watching um, this episode too, and, and us discussing it, it makes me think about, um, and I won't say too much about it, but it makes me think about Kohansu's son and the type of life he's going to lead and how it kind of parallels um, Kohansu's life. Right. Songray, what do you think? We've been chatting back and forth. Do you have an opinion about any of it? No, not right now. Okay. <laughs> well, let me do a shout out real quick. We're recording also. So we haven't invited them up, but um, thanks to Wendy and Dr. Chi for listening in as we talk about this. And Dr. She has decided to wait to watch the show, which is very smart of her. She's waiting until it's done. And so she's been chatting and giving and dropping some actual tips because she did say that Korea was broke in a colony of Japan around that time period. So it makes sense. I didn't realize that Korea was a colony of Japan before maybe they split off. See, this is where we need to know this history, right? Like, I didn't know I was, who knew that this was the way that I would come back to like reading history books um, like I had to do in high school. And then she also said post-World War II, that part of the world was very poor. So maybe they were just shifting around to wherever they could find work and find money. And if they had to deal with some, discrimination it was a small price to pay just to be able to survive but yeah I think there's an understanding of history that will always give us more context especially when you have a book like this one if you read the book Natasha did you think about reading more about history or was reading the book enough to give you what you needed uh, I know the, the book definitely wasn't enough to give me what I needed and there were more questions I had from the book and it makes me interested in history. I haven't done as much research to give me my answers yet because I'm doing other stuff. But yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious about not just Koreans going to Japan during this time, if Korea was really poor, but if they went to other countries too um, and, and to find out how they fared in other countries, not just uh, Asian countries, but if they went to other countries around the world. That's a good question. For everything that we got um, in this episode that was kind of sad and traumatic, there wasn't so much to it. It wasn't like 
other episodes where it's like you jumped around from character to character and then you had to look at their motivations and what you learned about them. I mean, we just got a lot of Kohansu and a lot of um, of historical context. So is there anything you all want to add before we end this episode? So one of the things I wanted to discuss was we mentioned it earlier, but didn't like really delve into it. We talked about an article. So we read a few articles about, you know, varying opinions and just kind of wanted to touch on some of those opinions that people shared and thoughts that we had about them. So I'll start for me personally. I know some of the articles that I looked at and that people have been saying was to speak on the fact of how the book is not like how the story is not following, I guess, clearly into what the book was written for. And I think that one of the things I don't know for me that's I'm mindful of is that when a book is written, books have the ability to delve into things, spread out, talk about things, give you a bigger view of things than when you're looking at something that's visual on the screen. And then when something's visual on the screen, it has to kind of change up a little bit. And for me, I feel like just personally thus far without, again, having been the resident reader here, she would have to help me. But without me having thought too deep into this, I feel like they're doing a good job of giving me a story of a family, a family that's multidimensional. We're learning about them from the past, from the present. I kind of like how they're going back and forth from the past to the present to keep it. I don't know if it, if it were linear and if I were looking at starting in the past all the way up until the present, would I be as interested? I don't know. No, I just feel like they're doing a good job with this story and it's keeping me interested. I want to see more. I want to know more. I want to learn more about the different people, the different characters and what's going on. What were you guys' takes? I like hearing what you have to say about it as someone who hasn't read the book because a lot of times when I'm watching the show, I'm trying to put the book out of my mind and watch it as someone who has not read the book. But it's difficult to do because you know I'm going to know some things Um, and if I think about it as someone who hasn't read the book, I can see how changing it up for a show, it makes it more entertaining. I'll just use that word. It makes it more entertaining. It makes things flow a little bit differently and maybe better. So I get it why it's not just linear. Uh, but as a reader, one thing that I am struggling with is why they're choosing to do things a certain way and sometimes it makes sense to me and sometimes it doesn't for example solomon is at the end of the book and he's not a huge part of the book compared to the other characters in the book and why they're focusing so much on him i mean he is a main part of the whole first season and at first i thought well they just want to show us that you know this family who's gone through so much these generations of pain and suffering he's you kind of kind of see that he's rising a bit like he has his struggles he's dealing with you know racism and from north america and from from the japanese but still the family's kind of moving up as far as social status goes and, and having money but i don't know i mean i feel like they're putting they're putting too much of him in the show and i don't know where the rest of the seasons are going to go so that's that's one thing that I'm looking at as a, as a reader is when they make these changes, do they always make sense? And is it going to work with the rest of the story? I think that's definitely worth kind of tracking throughout because 
I've seen a number of shows where they have very ambitious ideas because they're thinking artistically, but then at the back end, the the story arcs aren't logical or the character development isn't logical given the arc, given what they're trying to, you know, like if I think one of the criticisms was that it isn't linear the way they would have, I think one author would have preferred. And I think you spoke to that too, Natasha there's a case for just telling the story straight. And and even if you throw in some flashbacks or you add some context so that we understand characters, like they did this, let's say they did the same thing with uh, Kohan Su backstory. Like if they had like dumped in a little bit here and there, then it would have still been interesting, but we would have gone from person to person. It wouldn't have been as confusing because it's not, horribly confusing but it is like jumping back and forth between time and then different characters and then they introduce new characters so you kind of have to go how is this going to fit and how is this going to change things and then on top of that the thing that I'm sensitive to is that I know that there are things that I'm missing because I'm not Korean even though it's it is a an American production, a Korean American production, I I am sensitive to the fact that some of the music may be really apropos, may really be speaking to a time period, and I'm missing it. There are phrases I'm sure that they're using. I'm sure there are references, historical references that add some layers and some depth to this, and I'm completely missing it as an American and. That's a shame. So that's that's my take on just the overall show. So when you say the music, are you speaking in terms of the music that they're using for the show? Yeah, I think someone made a comment in one of the articles or maybe on social media about the music that's played. Not maybe the background music, but like, you know, if you walk into a store like the store where Solomon is shoplifting, right? And they play a particular song. Everything feels deliberate about the show down to the coloring. So I wouldn't be surprised if even the music and the tone, you know, when you walk into the Pachenko parlor, I'm sure that there are people who are like, yeah, I grew up walking into those parlors. You know, like that's where I went to go find my grandfather or my grandmother, you know, when they were supposed to come home, you know, (laughs) like, so... I feel like there's something that we're missing because we're not of that culture. Yeah, I I agree with that too. There are some symbolic things that we're not getting and that's a shame, but you know, we're not going to be able to get everything based on, you know, our own backgrounds and our own personal takes and me as a reader. So everybody's not going to get all the same stuff out of it. Uh, I wish we could. Speaking of that, I noticed that, this episode didn't have that fun intro. It sure didn't. Now that you just Ooh. said it, it did not. Dang. That is true. <laughs> I saw it. I, I wonder I what like, that... Wow, this is this episode's intense. Are they going to like start playing some happy music now? Some dancing? But they didn't. They're trying to let you know this is going to be some traumatic shit. Anyway. <laughs> I'm sorry. There oh. is a film... Um, called Soul Searching that I watched a while back on Netflix. It's Soul, S-E-O-U-L, Searching, um, a 2015 
drama slash romance if is what they're calling it uh don't take romance out of any of this but any which way it's about teenagers from around the world who are immigrant koreans and they had this like camp that they brought them back to come and visit korea so like coming back to the motherland they come back to visit korea and learn about their korean heritage where they came from where their families are from and how they wound up where they went and you've got kids who are from germany america mexico japan um and different places and so there's a scene where they go to i believe um some place where it's it is officially Japan, but it's like a bordering space between Japan and Korea and the kids get into a fight. And so it just made me think about all of this. And if you ever get a chance, take a look at it because it kind of helps with the context because they talk history there too and about how it's a interesting space for these Korean children who are calling themselves Japanese to deal with these children who are coming from other places. And then when they learn their history for real and how it all went down, like how people who you brand new to learning this and you were already offended just because of the way this the situation took place. But that was just something that when we were talking earlier, it crossed my mind. I was like, I got to find the name of that movie and share it because it was a good movie. That sounds interesting. I'm going to look for it. Well, anything else you all want to add before we end this episode? Nope. Not really. I'm looking forward to the last one. I mean, I wanted to continue, but I'm looking forward to see what's going to happen in the next one. Um, I know we're going to be left with a lot of questions because they can't tie it all up in one episode. At least I don't want them to and do a good job. They're not going to be able to do a good job if they try. So I'm looking forward to it. I don't know. I, I haven't had Apple Plus before. I don't know how long they wait for between seasons, but I hope that they do have another season and that we don't have to wait forever. Yeah. Because that's like an annoyance to have to wait too long for a new season to come back. Especially since, like, we know that um, more than likely they filmed more than just the eight episodes. So it's like, okay, it's one thing if you wait six months, but if they're waiting, like, years, um, they're losing years of my money. Because trust and believe, I've looked at what they have to offer. Once episode eight is over, I am <laughs> canceling my membership. <laughs> I agree um, with you totally. Because I'm not playing with them. Like, they had their chance with me. They had eight weeks. Well, not eight weeks, actually. They had one month because they were not smart about it. Like, they gave us three episodes at once. And then they dropped the rest of the episodes over this month. And I'm like, no, you should have. No. no. Where they really messed up was because they've been knowing since 20, what, 2020 they were doing this or 2019 they were doing this. They should have picked up some more shows. So as soon as this ended, they had something else to put right behind exactly. it to draw people in. Exactly. So it's like, I'm looking at what they have. I mean, the stuff they have isn't bad, isn't awful. Well, Ted Lasso's coming back, and people love that show. I don't even know what that yeah, show is. Yeah, we got Apple Plus to watch Ted Lasso, and it's a pretty popular show. It's okay, in my opinion. But with it coming back right after this is over... I think people who love Ted Lasso will keep it for that. Oh, yeah. No, the people they already had, they're going to keep. But, like, we're the newbies. And they're and not I'm, keeping I'm up. Saying, and I'm saying for me who doesn't watch American TV, really, yeah, that there's nothing else holding me here besides Pachinko. Right. I'm just... I'm but it may, keep, it may keep me because after Ted Lasso was over, we canceled our subscription. And then Pachinko came out and we reinstated it. 
but we may just keep it going for Ted Lasso. And I don't know if other shows are coming out. I haven't really explored it too much. Right. Anyway, we'll see. We'll see. There's a huge fight right now with all of these streaming services anyway. Sungray and I are going to have a discussion at some point about Vicky and maybe even Netflix. No, Disney. Disney and... I thought we were going to talk about Vicky also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vicky, yeah, yeah, but Disney was my other fight. It wasn't even... It was Disney and Vicky. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Disney and Vicky... We're going to talk about, we might throw in Netflix because, just as an aside, because Netflix is struggling. Struggle. They got their struggle played out. Um, So we'll see how it goes. But anyway, I want to thank Natasha again for joining us as a guest for Pachenko. And look out for our final episode next week. And thanks to Wendy and Dr. Chi for joining us, even if it was just in the chat, because Dr. She was breaking down some stuff. Oh, and she wrote something about Disney. So look out for that. It's a blog post. So check out Dr. Chi and check out what she wrote about Disney, because I'm sure she was dropping gems. This is a Black Girl Soul with something else. Natasha and Song Ray. Have a good one. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Black Girl Soul. We enjoyed having you, and please subscribe, like, and follow our Facebook page, YouTube channel, Twitter page, Instagram page, and join our Facebook group. You can also find us on Patreon. Please look below for links. See you guys next week.